this year the New England Patriots will win the Super Bowl again, and this time it'll be beating the New England Saints. So I'm thinking I have the Chiefs beating the Bears. It's just the two teams that I'm kind of positive on. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me. And Leland, uh, we're not going to start off local this time. Um, obviously, the biggest news in sports right now is the sudden death of Kobe Bryant in the helicopter crash that was in California. Um, I'll just toss it over to you for your thoughts on the news and what it means. I mean, I, I, it just was a shock, and I think everybody, it hits everybody that way, and it's something sudden like that. Um, it, it just, it surprises you, and I mean, I called you <laughs> immediately to make yeah. sure you knew what it was happening. Um, and my mom called me, and my text group that I, uh, all my hokey friends, we were talking. And honestly, my friend, uh, she said, she just tweeted, or just texted in the middle of nothing. All of a sudden, she's just like, I, I won't lie, I'm... I'm devastated by this Kobe news. And like all my mind goes, like I watched enough of the basketball game the night before where LeBron passed Kobe for third all time score. And I was like, you're devastated. Like my, my mind was like, she's devastated about him getting passed on the scoring thing. That was something that was going to happen. Like it was all predictable. Like what are you talking about? And so I, I didn't even question her. I just went on Twitter and now, I mean, I was seeing like the early, early tweets of that. And so, um, then it's, is this real, you know? And then that's the sad thing about social media these days is that that goes through your mind. It's legitimate, but sadly it was real. And then the, the media just trying to beat each other to the, the scoop and who was on it and who's not. It's just that that's a bad part of uh, this business that we, that I pretend to be in um, is getting it right. Isn't as important as being there first. And especially when people die, you think they would just kind of take that second but um, either way, um, a legend of sports has passed and it was sudden and, and it's, it's been hard for me to kind of draw a comparison. And like, I guess what, that's what I try to do in life is when, when big things happen, try to try to find the comparison, see how it was handled then, see how I handled it then, see how people I know handled it then and, and try to make sure I'm in line. And, and I really struggled even through today, but, but until now of trying to find comparisons. And I, and I think this one's just different and, and, and it's sad. Um, it's sad that it is. I'll circle back to that after I give you a chance to talk, but I know where this hurt me, hit me the hardest is as the day wore on, you found out his daughter was in the plane. I think my thoughts have really are on the helicopter. It's been the, the, that, that relationship, seeing them, the, the clips of them at games and then just, not really imagining myself in that situation, but just, you know, taking the thoughts that as a father you would potentially have in that kind of situation. And, um, I think it's, I think it's really affected me more than it would have if, if one of his kids wasn't on it or, or something else. And, um, so I, I think the, the, the father side, me being a father aspect has really drawn me in there because Kobe wasn't my guy. Kobe, like I'm a, I'm a Jordan guy. Even we argue about the LeBron stuff and, and all that's point. We're not talking about that. But Kobe was never my number one guy. I was never a Lakers fan. He was always the guy I was rooting against. But, man, he was the best. And, and I guess my quickest story I can tell on that is we're on vacation. We're at a casino. Finals are on Celtics-Lakers. And it's a game clinching for the Celtics. It could be. And I said, I'm going to put money on the Lakers because Kobe – I, I don't want him to win, but he's not going to let them lose this game. And they did. They did lose that game. And, and Garnett grabbed the basketball and said anything is possible. That that was that game. And But I had put money down betting on the guy that I always root against because that was who he was. And that's the level of play he was. He's an all-time legend. You know, you talk about the top players in basketball. He's in the list. And uh, it was just a shock. So, that I mean, that's kind of the roundabout thing of it all. But I really do think the the – parental aspect of this is really what's probably holding on to me more. Yeah. Um, I had a friend tell me, uh, my brother and I were actually just watching uh, TV and then, uh, you know, I got a screenshot and saying, is this, have you heard anything? Is this real? 
kind of like you. And then I go on Twitter and I'm looking and I'm like, mm, okay, I'm seeing TMZ. I'm seeing some other non-media certified Twitters, um, but nothing on ESPN, nothing from the NBA, nothing from the Lakers. I turn on ESPN. They're still showing the Pro Bowl on two channels. ESPN2 has the X Games. NBA TV is has normal talk. Nothing on the bottom lines. Um, so I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, but then you see, you know, USA Today, New York Post, local LA stations. And then you're like, okay, this isn't good. Um, it's, you know, I feel for his family, yeah. uh, his wife, the three daughters that uh, outlive their father and their sister. I can't, I can't imagine yeah. losing a sibling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to imagine. And I'm, you know, my thoughts go to them. And of course the other families involved too. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of nine people on that helicopter that crashed uh, died. And, you know, my thoughts go out to all those people and Three, three players on that team, you know, yeah, Kobe's daughter is a player and then two other players with their parents and, or some combination of parents or coaches there. It's just terrible. It's, it's sad uh, all around and, you know, you hate to see that kind of thing. Yeah. Circling back of like the comparisons and, and this is pointless, but I, I acknowledge that, but like it's, it's not, you know, no disrespect to NASCAR, no respect to Dale Earnhardt, but this this is for this sport like that. You're taking an all-time legend passing way too early. He wasn't in the process of playing basketball when he passed, so it's different. Um, but for the sport specifically, it, it's that, you know, it's it's the fa- one of the faces of the sport um, passing. But then the fame that he had surpassed the sport. I mean, you know, I always use the my mom test for um, – if she knows, obviously she knows Kobe, you know, and like, that's not even a, you know, that's never been a question. She knows. And, um, I mean, she called me when she heard, cause she knew how big a deal this was and just globally how big the game is. And, and just the amount of people that really had true fandom about Kobe. Um, and it was their guy, you know, it's it just, it's just different. And uh, where I kind of got to, I mean, I cycled through the Michael Jackson and the Whitney Houston's, which those people were, you know, pop icons like Kobe, but they were kind of on a downward spiral. And then, uh, you know, sadly talk about Robin Williams, who it was a, 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 a self thing. And then, but the other shockers that you talk about, you know, Tupac and Biggie, that's kind of probably before your time, but that was a big deal when it happened. It, it's just, it takes like these, these just, I'm talking about like all those that I just listed are, you know, people that oh, there's a lot of people on this earth that remember where they were when they heard that news. I know where I was when I heard Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, um, you know, Robin Williams, I guess I don't, but it was a big deal. Like it takes that level to start drawing a comparison with my reaction to what I had here. Um, you know, Roberto Clemente, I think in, in the sports world, I start to bring close to this. He was still playing, but he was on the backside of his career. He, he was in a plane. Um, and it was an accident and it was, and it was, it wasn't his fault. It was no bad decisions. It was no, you know, he didn't put himself in a bad situation to have that happen. Neither has Kobe. You know, he was, he was being a dad. He was flying to a game, you know, it wasn't two o'clock in the morning and, you know, with the wrong people, it was just all the rights that were happening. And that's what his life has, had been in his retirement was just being a dad and, and all that. Um, it's just, it's hard to hold on to. I think the shock of it, and the level of fame, I, I, the comparisons I came to was Princess Diana, which I, I know neither of I, you or I are big royal family kind of people, but I, it's at that level, I think, even in the world. I, I think it's at that level. And then, um, and, and this is you know a, a positive spin to it, is Ma- Magic Johnson saying that he had HIV was a huge, groundbreaking thing. And at that time, people thought I have HIV was a death sentence. Everybody just thought, this is, you know, this is might be the last time we say Magic Johnson because he's going to die because he has HIV. Like, I think that, you know, earth stopping moment of him announcing that, um, you know, that starts to get in the area of comparison here in my mind from what I know about media and, and, and remembering that happened. I bet you were probably too young to really understand that when it happened. I, I barely was old enough to understand. Um, and I think I've learned more about it since. But definitely this is one of the biggest sports stories that's happened in a a long time. And I, I don't know what I'm trying to go back to, to, to get another story bigger than this. And we'll be talking about this for a long time. It'll be, 
you know, quick to go to, quick to reference, quick to, you know, pull from. And, and especially these two weeks where we have Super Bowl week, where it's all media, all interviews, everybody's going to have their thoughts on Kobe. Super Bowl, I, I, I would be sort of surprised if we get through Super Bowl without seeing something and, and maybe an additional commercial or even. And then the NBA All-Star Games next week. And that's just going to be a tribute to him. So I, it's, it's been a crazy day. Everybody, I, and that's the reason we're talking about this first on the Yak Sports Podcast. Yeah, this is in Augusta County, but everybody is talking about this. People that don't talk about sports is talking about this with me today. And um, it's just really something to remember here. And, and you know, I, I have other thoughts that I might bring up later, or, or I don't know. But it's just, it's a monumental story in sports, and, and it's all for the sad reasons. And you just wish we weren't talking about this. You wish... You could talk about him more Oscars. You could talk about her playing in the WNBA. Um, you know, that, those kind of thoughts from today, I think um, the potential that really the, the, that the kids had, including his daughter there, um, that's it's just that's where you get really sad about it. I agree. Um, but let's move things back to Augusta County. Aw- awkward transition. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep it with basketball, but Stewart's draft – uh, they appear to be doing quite well. They have a big game against Buffalo Gap coming up. Uh, to me, Leland, I don't know how you feel about this, but if Stewart's draft beats Buffalo Gap on Friday, I think it's over in terms of regular season Shenandoah District. I think Stewart's draft has it wrapped up at that point. Um, Buffalo Gap, if they win, then it you know you have an interesting race to the finish. But to me, uh, Stewart's draft already looks like the better team, uh, and I think they could very easily put Buffalo Gap away this weekend uh, on Friday night, if they can get that win and then the Shindo district's over because Riverheads and Stanton, probably that next tier with Wilson and uh, Riverheads actually had a very down. rough week. Yeah. Uh, they, they lost to Stanton and Buffalo gap this week. Uh, so that really hurt them in terms of district play. Uh, Beat but, Waynesboro in the middle of it and overcame a loss. And, and, and that's kind of what they're going to have to do down the stretch here. These teams, they lost to the first time they're going to have to find a way to beat them. They have an opportunity Tuesday to play Stewart's draft, which they haven't played yet. And honestly, they've played them pretty pretty well in recent years. So we'll see what they can do. I wouldn't favor Riverheads in that game by any means. I'm not trying to spin it that way. But every game's an opportunity. They have one right there. But then when you go play Wilson again, when you go play Gap again, you're going to have to win those games if you want to really want to have a shot at this district title. They're sitting well in Region B, 1B, though. So um, they'll get some more wins down the stretch here. They'll beat who they're supposed to beat. If they can knock off a couple of these others or, you know, get revenge games, uh, you know, stay in another opportunity for a revenge game, they'll be even sitting better. But, um, yeah, I, they they got to get winning now to have any chance of the district. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Fort Defiance got a win, uh, but it was not a district win. So they remain 0 for the Shandoah district, but uh, an important win against Rockbridge County. Yeah, I mean when you're at when you're doubling your win count, it's always big. Rockbridge County, confusing team. They uh, uh, they beat uh, Waynesboro the night before mm-hmm. and then lose to Fort, and it, it just doesn't make sense. But uh, yeah, good for Fort to get a win. I, I I wanted to slide them in here. We haven't been able to talk positively about them a lot this season. They got a win. I wanted to call them out. Speaking of Waynesboro, uh, we mentioned they were six and zero to start. Now they are one and seven. Uh, in their last eight games and you hate to see that because this is a program that just um, in terms of athletics Waynesboro's not had the best year Uh, so you were kind of hoping there with that hot 6-0 start that they would be able to ride that and make something of it but it just hasn't been the case Uh, unfortunately they're getting ready to play Broadway Stewart Straff and Spotswood all three of those teams just playing better basketball right now and you would think Waynesboro's gonna be hard-pressed to get a win in any of those yeah, it's gonna. It, they need to turn this what looks to be a negative week for them into some kind of positive. They only really, I mean, winning one of those, you're gonna have some positive, especially if it's like a Spotswood. But if you could win two of three, your season turns right back around. Um, but I, I again, wouldn't favor them in any one of those games. So it, it's it's kind of prove it time. Yeah, you started six and zero, but you you've you've written that off a long time ago. You got to start go start winning again. Again, we mentioned big week with Stewart's draft and Buffalo gap playing, but Riverhead's also playing draft. Uh, so draft really could basically in the Shandoah district, regular season race, uh, yeah. this week, they could put their stamp on the season this week and, uh, they're favored in both I, those games. Yeah. I think even yeah. if they lose to Riverheads, but beat gap, I think it's still over because then Buffalo gap, 
you, you're only a game behind in terms of win loss, but you're two behind. You've lost both to draft, and you would need draft to basically lose again. And I, I just don't. I think if Stewart's draft loses a district game the way they're playing, I would be surprised. On the girls' side, uh, Gap knocked off Riverheads. That was Riverheads' first loss in the district. They had won like seven straight, so uh, somewhat surprising. But Gap's that good program. I kind of been waiting for them to turn it on, um, so so they did uh, starting last week, and uh, we'll see if they can keep it going. They have a big week this week. They have Fort Defiance on Tuesday, who Fort is leading that district now, and then they have Draft on Friday, and Draft is a team sitting also two and two in the district. So. Uh, you know, Gap is the team in the, on the girls' side that kind of has that week of what can they do to prove who they are. Um, you know, what's different for them, they can't go claim the district this week, but they can they can put themselves back in the talk for the top of it if they're able to get two wins. Um, and they at least need one and one. If they lose both, then it could be a rough week, and we could be talking the opposite. Um, Wilson's that other team that I, I just keep waiting for them to get going. And they'll win one game, and I think, oh, okay, here they go. And then they'll lose the next. So I, I'm still trying to figure them out. Yeah, it's an up and down season for the girls side. Uh, unlike the boys side where, you know, we're talking about Stewart's draft has the ability to walk away with this thing this week. Uh, the girls side's not that way. Uh, Fort Defiance, even if they beat uh, Buffalo Gap, Riverheads is still right on their tail. Uh, Riverheads actually beat them earlier this year. So, you know, that's a very that's going to be an interesting race down to the finish, no matter how this week turns out in the girls side. Uh, you know, assuming Riverheads doesn't fall on their face, but um, it, I'm, I'm very interested to see what that looks like in terms of how the girls side plays out and the boys side in Augusta County this week, but yeah, a lot to get figured out this week for sure. Um, moving to college basketball, JMU, will go ahead and get them out of the way here quick <laughs> and easy. Bad. Uh, oh they, goodness. they have lost to William and Mary and Elon. They will lose to the college of Charleston on Thursday. And then their last chance for a win this year will be at home against UNC Wilmington on Saturday. Uh, they better come up with some crazy promotion to try to get folks there. And maybe that's the promotion. See if we can win two games this year in the conference, because otherwise this team's bad. They've got no redeeming qualities. They're a bad team. They're a bad program. I'm tired of reading on Twitter about how much talent this team has. Uh, spoiler alert. It's zero. I, Oh, they show glimpses in the game. Yeah. But then they can't close. You know why? Cause they're not good. They're not talented. I'm sorry. You have one win in the CAA, which is a one-bid league, which is also, by the way, a horrible league. The CAA doesn't have any good basketball teams in it. They're going to get creamed in the NCAA tournament. Don't give me this, the CAA, uh, uh, you know, it's a tough league. You know, we're no, fighting. George Mason. We're VCU's fighting in this in league. Yeah, ODU, VCU, and George Mason all pieced out. So guess what? Your three best programs do start Richmond's you. out of there, too, aren't they? Richmond's been out for a while. But I mean, no one is left in that thing. Richmond, I think in basketball, has been A-10 as long as I can remember. So I don't know if they were ever in the CAA in my lifetime. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't want to, I'm, I'm tired of seeing, you know, these kids are fighting hard or whatever. Cool. Fight better then because you're terrible yeah. at basketball. Um, but you got that much talent. I mean, everybody keeps talking about that talent. Then, okay. You have all this if, experience. If there really is talent, then yeah, it puts they're the, all seniors. Cool. It, well, they're seniors who aren't very good at basketball. But it puts the crosshairs back on the coach. I mean, if you really yeah, exactly. arguing that they have this talent, it just even more. Well, so I don't says, think they have the talent, and I think he's the problem. So it's whatever. He won't be here after this year. Yeah, let's talk about more disappointment. Um, Virginia <laughs> Tech. Uh, now, no, I man, no, no, no. I don't like that. Overall, it's different. It's different because. It's disappointing because I had gotten my hopes up. Um, And this week was kind of, you know, a calibration. Uh, The one win they had this week was a very nail-biting win that didn't make me feel good beating UNC because I thought for sure we were going to lose that game two or three times. Uh, The BC game was a really disappointing loss at BC, but five and four, you have Miami and Florida State coming up. Those are two really tough games. If you lose to Miami, tournament is done. I think you might need to win both of these games to even get yourself back in a realistic on the right side of the bubble. I do think that BC loss puts you on the wrong side. Uh, I think this is probably, you know, we had hoped maybe this was an NCAA team, but expected NIT maybe. And I think 
this week kind of made it feel like an NIT season coming up because even after Miami FSU, you know, we're going to talk about it with Cody a little bit too. Um, you have a little bit of a break there before you run into Duke, uh, but Duke, UVA, Louisville, that's tough. Yeah, we got three games in a row there down the stretch. It's going to be very tough. I, I don't think a lot of Miami, but going there I don't like, especially during the week. Um, uh, I didn't so think a lot I, of UNC, sure and we that. needed double overtime. I didn't think a lot of BC, and we lost. So, I don't like these two road games, like traveling the extremes of the conference, up to BC and down to Miami three days apart. Hopefully, our, I mean, I just don't think we're that battle-tested. I don't think we I – know, I know you make these arguments. I, I don't get – I, I just wonder if these freshmen are ready for that kind of travel and back-to-back and in a tough league. So, yeah, I I, um, I calibrated was a really well way of putting it, and so I'm just cautiously optimistic. I'm hoping we can knock Miami off. I I I don't I think Florida State's better than we are, so it's gonna be a, no that's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, UVA will play Florida State as well. Uh, they're gonna play them right before we do on Tuesday. Uh, they. UVA lost on Monday to NC State last week. We touched on that. Uh, but they did beat Wake Forest uh, in overtime this weekend. Uh, UVA is not looking great uh, this year. They're 5-4. And, and they four. have the same record as us. <laughs> yeah, they're, they have the same record as us. And I, I will say it's different expectations there. So it, it's a more troubling 5-4 and four in the ACC. But uh, I still think... This team. Sanders are different. They're going to fire him. No, they're not going to fire him. Um, <laughs> but I do think UVA, I, I'm interested. I, I do start to wonder at what point, if you're UVA, do you have to start being concerned about the tournament yourself? I mean, I, everybody has them out. I mean, all these things that we talk about, us being on the bubble, has UVA just playing out? When was the last time um, a national champion didn't even make the tournament I the next year? Was gonna wouldn't, look that up, like, wouldn't that be hilarious to get another first? I think on Saturday I was thinking about that. Sunday I got mistracked. But that you know would what? be we, we, lovely. We, we could laugh about it. We make jokes. I'm, I, I'm still jealous of that national championship. Sure. <laughs> so but I still wish I had it. Yep. To be the first one to lose to a 16 – and then to be the first team to win a national title and then not make the tournament. Oh, man, I that would be... I doubt it's first. I doubt it's Probably first. not because of the way that you, you used to have to win the conference tournament to get in. Yeah. So I'm sure they won't be the first. But they might be the first since the it's field expanded modern. to 64. Yeah. I don't know. We, I'm sure we'll start hearing about it if, if they lose some more of these these games. And, uh, you know, FSU is... I think FSU is better than UVA. So I, I think... Yep. That talk gets more real and more real all as we go. Clemson's well, been they already beat them once. Off. Yeah, Louisville next week. Um, Notre Dame isn't as good. We'll talk about them here in a second. And then North Carolina, who you know, I, I still think Roy's going to get them together at some point. So I mean, this it's ACC. It's tough. It's a tough schedule. There's no easy schedules in the ACC. Yeah, how about Roy saving his job this weekend? God, shut up. <laughs> I'm just I'm so sick of the argument, and I know I'm the one that worries about it more than you do. Like, I was going to say, I don't think about it. You just text me in, in various group texts and tweets. I just think you're crazy. I think you are nuts. Oh. I think it's the worst. We'll never know because they say. probably just dug their way out of the basement, unfortunately. So but, we'll like, never that's know. What also gets on my nerves is like you are also saying – well, they are going to finish. They're terrible. They're going to finish last or second to last. Like I, I never thought that. I, just, I said I if. I don't think I said they will. I think I said if. Good thing. The good thing is we record this thing. So we'll yeah, go back and check. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said if. Um. So yeah, UNC lost to us, but then they they got the win against Miami. That that's what gives me hope against Miami there. Uh. So last week, as we were posting this podcast, uh, Kansas State and Kansas were licking their wounds from their brawl they had, and we don't need to rehash the whole thing. Everybody's seen it by now. I thought that suspensions that came from that were probably right around where I thought they were going to be. People were talking about sitting people the rest of the season and all like that night, everybody was clutching their pearls and saying how people never need to play basketball again. I was easy. I mean, I wrote really good. It was uh, Dickie V saying, well, I mean, he picked up that chair. I was like, but then he put the chair down and, and like, he did not hit anybody with it. Like I, you can't, you know, that guy, you know, <laughs> he had a sword in his hand, but like, he didn't chop off anybody's head. So like, we'll be all right. So, 
eight games for like the big people involved, and then it went down from there. I, I I thought it was where I thought it would be. Kansas is a national championship contender this year. I knew they weren't going to be sitting people for the rest of the season. I, it just it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Um... It's interesting. I think the suspensions will probably hurt them in terms of the Big 12. I think Baylor probably wins the Big 12 now. But um, I I do think when those guys come back, which is, I think, the last week of the regular season uh, for the longest suspension for DeSoto, um, yeah, I think they've got a good shot. So... I, I don't like Kansas. I never like Kansas. But, yeah, I, I they do look pretty good when they're playing good. Uh, yeah, I don't have much on the brawl. Um, I saw it. It's not great for college basketball, but it happened. And It was one of the uglier things we've seen in college basketball in a while. Like, I mean, that looked like a an while. NBA fight. Yeah, but, well, you it don't see like fights Dick's in the NBA much. The yeah, you don't see that much in the NBA either anymore. Um, yeah, it's it, it was unfortunate. Um, I do think. If if we're assigning blame, I will say maybe Kansas State, you let Kansas run the clock out on you when they're up 20 and trying to run the clock out instead of trying to steal it and try to go in for a layup, and then your shot won't get blocked. That guy won't be standing over you, and you won't have your manhood questioned or whatever was going on. In the on. same breath, just let the – you get the ball stolen for him. Yeah, just, like, shrug your shoulders or, like, give him the, like – Nah, I was okay with the guy going up and stuffing his shot. If you're going to be a jerk, then, you know, sometimes jerk things happen to you. So I was fine with the guy blocking the shot. If you're going to say one team shouldn't try at half court there, then the other team could have just stood back and just like, man, we're better than you and move on with your life. Nah. Little little brother, you know, jumps up and punches you in the nose. You maybe don't like go shove your little no, brother in the trash Little brother can. jumps up, punches you in the nose. Sometimes you got to smack little brother in the mouth. <laughs> well then joe's coming from a big brother <laughs> yeah coming from a big brother i'll tell you um notre dame <laughs> notre dame's coach mike bray uh thinks acc officials are out to get him because they're not a full member of the conference the acc greeted him with a twenty thousand dollar fine over that comment which i'm sure helps those feelings but poor notre dame yeah um how clueless i mean they'll just you just don't understand. It's if not you, a grand conspiracy. You, the ACC officials just aren't that good. That's it. I mean, Teddy Valentine in the game just don't do not do it very well. I, I just, like, Notre Dame is the most advantaged university, probably, that has any kind of association mm. with the ACC. They have a national following. Their football isn't in the ACC because they make a heck of a lot more money from their football because they don't have to be in a, in a conference. Their basketball... It's not a down, it's whatever. Like a little down tick. It's it's down these last couple of years. It'll be back up. Like it's a it's a national program. I mean, it's just it's so tone deaf. It's, it's so an okay program. Deaf. I don't know if I would ever qualify Notre Dame in times that I can remember. Maybe you know, maybe this is eighties before and stuff. you're born. They were. Yeah, they, they, I, I just since I've been alive, I haven't thought of Notre Dame as some powerful basketball program. They are committed to to putting money into winning and uh, they get good recruits and they, they're not, I'm not saying Mike Bray's not a good coach. I'm not saying that he yeah. hasn't done good things at Notre Dame and they haven't been a team that has made runs, but I, I've never looked at Notre Dame and been like, that team's going to win a national championship or I've never looked at him and said that team's a final four team. Okay. Okay. But they're, they're like on that, on that next level outside of that realm. They're always shooting for that. And it's not craziness to think, that they could build their program in that way. Sure. If Clemson can build their team into a football powerhouse, Notre Dame is closer than what where Clemson started in football. So I just him saying that just I wanted to talk about that because it's just just hearing him speak on it was just craziness. And I think I think Wally was saying it. He realized he was getting himself in trouble. And it just, just that's when you just shut up. That's when you stop talking. So yeah. speaking of stop talking, let's go to the B block with Cody Elliott. <laughs> Next here in the B block, always happy to have Cody Elliott from the DNR and now the key play. And we'll dive into that. But Cody, thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, no problem. So the key play, that's uh, something you got new going on there. And uh, it was a surprise. Uh, and I, I think one day you said you were starting to do that for the key play. The next day you had an article out, which was amazing and awesome <laughs> to read. Kind of kind of blew me back. Uh, tell us about uh, that opportunity and, uh, you know, how it's going. 
Yeah, it's it's, um, it's pretty cool. Um, back actually when I was in college at Tech, um, I did some stuff for them just as an intern, I guess you could call it. Um, just, you know, if it, was, it wasn't a paid gig. It was just something I did just to get my name out there, um, just as a young journalist trying to get more publications and stuff like that. Um, but at the time, that site was actually just a, um, a forum, uh, a message board type area. Um, didn't really have a lot of articles. It was mostly just for people to go in there and talk tech sports. Um, and it was just kind of growing at that point. Um, I guess that was probably like 2011, 2012. Um, and then, yeah, since I've graduated, <clears throat> I've remained a member on the site and um, kind of just watched it grow. And over the years, it's actually turned into a paid subscription site, at least some aspects of it. Certain articles they post are paid subscription. And um, they've got the, the Key Play Club, which is growing uh, by the day and more and more people joining that. Um, and as part of that, um, they've now been, they've now gained credential, they've become credentialed and uh, become more of a, they're trying to focus on becoming an actual website that covers tech athletics um, instead of just a, a forum or a message board. So um, Joe, the, uh, the publisher of the site, he reached out to me, uh, I guess about a month or two ago and um, just said, we had talked about it before over the years, kind of getting me back involved and it never really worked out time-wise and for different reasons. And um when he reached out to me this time, I just felt like it was a good opportunity for me. And, uh, it's been fun. I mean, I, it, there's nights where, you know, they're on the road and I've, I sit here and I watch the games from home and then, um, I'm able to, their SID sends me their quotes and their press conferences, videos and things like that afterwards. And then, um, uh, last week, actually, I went down for the UNC tech game. I covered that game in person. Um, and I'm actually headed down back, back down again this Saturday for Florida state. So, um, there's about five or six games left on the home schedule that I'll, I'll cover. And then, um, yeah, I guess moving forward into, into football season and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. And, uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see what kind of opportunities that open up down the road. That's so awesome. Really awesome. Uh, you know, remind, I guess remind everybody how to, how to see that. I know you've uh, been retweeting them and everything, but, uh, I guess just be specific in case anybody's new to the key play. Yeah, I mean, if, in terms of my stuff on the key play, um, the best way to follow it, I guess, I actually have a separate Twitter for away from my work Twitter. That's VT Cody. That's where I put a bunch of articles at. Um, but yeah, the keyplay.com, um, we pretty much are covering every game now. And, and I've had a busy month now with weddings and, and <laughs> going out of town and things like that. So I've actually missed a few games. And, and another guy, Brian, who graduated around the same time as me, He's covered those, but um, we've pretty much got something on every game. And then, of course, we do our film reviews on the football games. And um, uh, Henry did a film review on the basketball game a couple weeks ago. So a lot of good stuff there that, um, you know, I think is worth checking out. And I think the site, as it continues to grow and, and Joe continues to invest more time, more money into it, um, I think, you know, it's got a lot of potential. Well, you're talking about covering these first couple basketball games. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about basketball. Um Overall, I, my point of view is that we're, you know, probably a little bit overachieving. I don't know if last Saturday's loss um, helps that argument, but, uh, you know, the early win against Michigan State and then, you know, kind of taking care of business in the ACC for the most part. Um, you, you know, tell me your thoughts about uh, how the season's going and where they sit right now. Yeah, you know, for most of the year, I felt really, really good about where this team was. And I think, you know, you still, at the end of the day, I still think they obviously have overachieved. Um, I think up until this past week is when you when you really you, you kind of get a little concerned um, just because it felt like, you know, they they, they had the loss to Syracuse in the, in the rematch in Blacksburg. And then um, UNC, it felt like they did enough to, to kind of pull one out there. And obviously UNC is having a down year. And then that loss on Saturday to to let that lead slip away and, and, and lose there. Um, not not great. Obviously, I think there's the types of games now that you got to worry about down the road. Um, because they do still have Florida State. They have Louisville. They have Duke still left on the schedule. All three um, of those in a row, I think, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you start looking at those, you start looking at the schedule now and where they're at now and, and kind of, you know, the games they must win. It's going to be tough um, to get to where I think they might need to in terms of getting to the NCAA tournament, but that's something that we weren't even talking about at the beginning of the year. So, you know, it, I think this team has kind of made everybody raise their expectations in a way. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, we went from, you know, maybe it's thinking we're going through a rebuild. All of a sudden we're going to, you know, we thought Tech was going to make it, had a possible tournament team. Um, you know, I think maybe this kind of just shows these these are some of the growing pains I think you, you should expect. Um, but at the same time, you know, Mike Young even said the other day, you know, he's kind of over the freshman talk now. I mean, they are 20, 25 games into the season now. 
Um, I know coaches like to say that all the time in terms of it, that's not an excuse anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like where this team is. And I definitely like the direction they're headed. I love, you know, what Mike Young's doing with that program. I think, you know, he, they're doing things the right way. And um, I think, you know, the long-term potential of that program is really good right now. I just wonder what's going to happen over these next few weeks. We're really going to find out a lot now because I think that loss at Boston College really kind of put them at a crossroads now and how they kind of respond is going to be big. I agree with you, Cody. I thought I thought you uh, there at the beginning hit the nail right on the head, but the last three games kind of being troubling. Even though they got the win against UNC, it was a little more taxing than maybe we had hoped. But I want to move it from a coach I love and Coach Mike Young to a coach I don't love uh, and move <laughs> it to the fall with Fuente. Um, you know, transfers again. He does end up staying, but now this at least for me, and I don't know how you feel about it or if you have any idea since you just started with the key play, if you've gotten any football talk or football knowledge in inside the program. But to me, all his loyalty talk that he talked out, talked about before this Baylor thing and now since kind of rings hollow when you immediately finish your staff and then before that ink is dry on the last staff contract, you're talking to a different program. I do agree with you, and I think the the biggest mistake there I thought <clears throat> was <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> the fact that it got leaked out, and I think that was a big mistake, just in terms of now because of the image part. Now you know we all know the, the story of of Frank Beamer, and we all know all that stuff. And I'm not saying Justin Fuente compares to Frank Beamer at, by any means, um, but I do think that nowadays social media kind of you know it intensifies everything now. And to the point where, you know, I, th- I think it was Pete Thamel um, of USA Today was the first one to come out and say something about it. And then it just seemed like everything kind of ran with it. And everybody kind of already proclaimed Justin Fuente as the guy on Virginia Tech Twitter. When, you know, if you went, if you were reading some of the Baylor boards at the time, you know, they were kind of like, they were hearing different things. And so I think that was a big part with social media. And, and in my opinion, where I thought Fuente, the biggest part where I thought he went wrong with that whole situation was I just felt like, you know, the day after, you know, when he sends out the photo that says, here's the 2020, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's OK. And, I, and that, that's fine. But then to, to send Wit and for Wit basically to acknowledge the fact that Fuente didn't want to talk to media and that he was doing it for him. Um, you know, Wit goes on there and tries to give an explanation and and does his best. And he, he makes some solid points. But the bottom line is all Fuente had to do was come out and say, hey. You know, I, I, there was an opportunity there um, where I, I looked at it, but I, I thought about it, and Virginia Tech was too good of a, too good of a community. I, I love Hokie Nation too much. I wanted to see it. Whatever he had to say, all he had to do, I thought, was make one statement like that, I think, and I think it would have at least helped um, cool, cool down some of the heat on him a little bit. Um, I do think that he did, you know, he did himself a disservice by not at least coming out I, I didn't think the the picture. I don't think the picture with the coaching staff slammed in a, in a room wasn't wasn't the best um, answer to fixing the issues there. I do agree with you there. And so, moving forward, uh, schedule gets released. Not a terribly difficult schedule. What do you think Fuente needs to accomplish this year for folks to kind of forgive and forget a little bit, and for him to? maybe not feel that hot seat that started to build up at the end of this last year. Yeah. I, I think he's got to be really serious. I don't, I don't know a number, a number really. I don't, cause it's, it's, you know, you can, would, would you say, would you say it's coastal I, or bust? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. What'd you say, Joe? Would you say it's coastal or bust? Yeah. I would say, you know, they're, if they're not at least in the championship game at, at, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, you got to, he's going to be facing a lot of pressure and, and I, because, you know, last year, I think it, the big excuse was that they're young, and then it, granted they were, and they used the, they had to adjust because of the, some of the transfers last year. Now this year, I think the transfers are kind of getting a little overrated in some ways. I think that you know you look at Ladler, he was he he wasn't playing very well a lot of times this year. Connor kind of took his spot on the defense. Um, Hazelton and Patterson, you know Hazelton's a guy I think that kind of had his one foot out the door before the year even began, from what I've heard. Um, Grimsley really lost his role because of Tavion Robinson coming along. So a bunch and of he those has that personal re- stuff. He has that uh, personal stuff with his mom too. Exactly, exactly. So there was a lot of things there. I didn't. I, I wasn't freaking out when I saw those transfers as much as some people were. 
at the same time, I think now, you know, th- there's no excuse this year. I mean, they've got enough experience along both sides of the ball. They've got a manageable schedule. Um, you know, they, they, he's made the changes to his staff. He's got all of his guys now. It's, it's, there's no, you know, Charlie Wiles, Bud Foster, any, any crossover there. It's all his guys. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you there. If they're not in the AC championship game, um, you know, this time next year we may be talking about a new coach. I want to talk about East Rock now and move local here with you, Cody. And I want to talk about Tyler Nickel. Uh, he's been a phenomenal athlete at East Rock. He's getting D1 offers, it seems, left and right. I'm sure he's not done getting those. Uh, just talk about what he has meant to this East Rock team and how deep East Rock can realistically look in Class 2. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, what he's done has just been phenomenal. Um, now, there there have been games, I think, what I've seen out of Tyler this year is he's kind of a guy who's going to turn it on for the bigger games. Um, when he went to Spotswood, he, he had 45, and that's when he put on an absolute show. He had eight threes in the first half and really showed off his kind of his ability to take it long range. Um, and then, you know, in a rematch, they lost to Broadway where he was kind of shut down. He looked fatigued. And in the rematch, he drops 36, I think, and it was 32 in the second half. And then um, against uh, – you know, other good teams against Page on the road and, and two teams that are undefeated in the district. He has another big night. So it just seems like whenever there's a big game, that's when Tyler kind of steps up the most. And I think that's what you expect out of a player like him. Um, and then another kind of sneaky thing that's going on there with them is Tyson McNair has slowly just kind of developed into, honestly, probably the second or third best player in the area up here in terms of the city county with Rockingham and Harrisonburg. Um, he has just... <laughs> He has just looked like a completely different player this year. He's very confident. Um, there's not very many guys around the area that are able to stay in front of him when he wants to get to the rim. Um, and, you know, as a result, just with those two alone, um, East Rock's got a, a really good chance of going far. You know, And they've got other key pieces. Um, Kerry Key's son, Cooper, is a really good shooter. Um, they've got some, some guys around him. Xavier Butler, whose older brother was Javon Butler from a few years ago. I'm sure you guys remember him. Um, they've just got a, a bunch of good role players. And I think, like I said, with that one-two punch of Tyler and Tice, I mean, when you just look at their district and their region right now, their district, they're just rolling through it. The region right now, you've got Buffalo Gap at number two, um, Buckingham's there at three, and, and then you've got some teams behind them like Storch, Strath, Stanton, uh, other teams like that. I'm not sure if any of those teams can can play with East Rock. Draft is one that kind of, I think, intrigues me just because of their style. Um, so, you know, you right there alone, you're looking at a, a trip back to the state tournament, and I think once you get there, um, you know, they've got a legitimate shot at, at making making some noise there. Now, with, with that being said, John Marshall did drop down to Class 2 this year, and that's a team that um, is very, very good and has been good on the Class 3 level for a few years. So I think they're the favorite right now, but I definitely think East Rock's got a chance to at least maybe, you know, get to the semis, maybe even get back to Richmond. Outside of a recording, you uh, you mentioned Tyler Nickel hit his 1,000-point mark at the so- as a sophomore which is amazing to hear that, you know, what's, I, we hear the D one offers, you know, what's your, I mean, I'm not saying you, you t- tell me a team where he's going and I'm going to write it on stone, but what are you leaning? Are you thinking he wants to go play top D one? Are you think he wants to go to, you know, maybe not an AC school and, and try to be the man there? What, what are you, what's your thoughts there? Uh, I think he's going, I think he wants to play at the top. I think he wants to play at the Good. top level. Um, you know, he. I've talked to him a few times off the record. You know, away from, you know, away from the camera, just asking him how the recruiting process is going, and I, he's just enjoying it. He's told me he's told me how it was pretty cool because he met Patrick Ewing one week, and he how he went to Ohio State and got to see a football game, and um, you know, just a bunch of different things like that that uh, you know, a lot of high school kids obviously don't get the opportunity to do, and I think that's what is the most important part is that he's enjoying every step of it. Um, you know, he's not rushing through this and, um, he's trying to just take his time. And, um, I think with the opportunity, with the team that he plays on in the summer with his AAU team, um, with team loaded, I think that, you know, he just gets so many more opportunities through that and so many more looks. Um, he's playing with some big time, um, competition and, and big time teammates. I mean, one of his own teammates on his AAU team also has a tech offer. Um, Mike Young was at the rock, the ribbon round ball shootout just two weeks ago, sitting on the front row, watching him play against Northside. Um, where he had 32. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think he's he's just enjoying the process. But I do think that, you know, while GMU's always, I think, going to be in the discussion because of the the family ties and, and things like that, 
I do think that ultimately I, I see him wanting to go play at the highest level because I think that's just kind of the, the type of kid he is. He plays with that chip on his shoulder now at the high school level. Um, you know, I think that he kind of is going to take that to the next level and, and see what he can do with it. Yeah, he's better than JMU. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, he's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, they can use him now. <laughs> yeah, he um, would play on her. <laughs> Looking at the Valley District, our uh, our Waynesboro down our way uh, held on there for a little bit uh, early in the, the non-district season, but they've kind of fell on their face since. But um, that's been our real view from the Valley District down here. You know, update our listeners on what's going on up there at the Valley District, uh, boys and girls. Yeah, well, I mean, on the girls, it's pretty much Spotswood and everyone else. Now, TA's been a really pleasant surprise. They're 15-1. and one. Um, but their one loss was to Spotswood, and, and Spotswood handled them pretty easily. Um, they're, they're just a, a step behind where Spotswood is right now. Spotswood's loaded with seniors. Um, they're the defending state champs. They're, I think they're probably the favorite to repeat at that level. Um, and TA is just kind of a younger team that's kind of, uh, kind of exceeded expectations a bit. Uh, I think you know, they might be a year or two off from being on that level. Um, this year, not quite there. Uh, but on the boys' side, I mean, it's a lot of fun this year. With Harrisonburg's kind of been – I guess a surprise, but in some ways not a surprise. They've kind of come out this year, and they, they've always been a team I thought that could compete for the title over the, the past few seasons, and this year it kind of has all come to fruition. Um, they're now in first place. They're undefeated in the district. And then you've got Spotswood and Broadway right there behind them, and both of those teams I think are really good. Um, all three of those teams, obviously Harrisburg will move to the Class 5 level once the, the playoffs roll around, so that kind of changes things. But Broadway and Spotswood are both teams I think can make some noise at, in Class 3. Um, and then, you know, even behind them, like you said, Waynesboro, I think, is a team that's kind of sneaky because Damian Fisher is a really good player. Um, they've got some other good guards with Davon Young, Luke Young, some of those guys. And then Rockbridge even still has guys like uh, Jolly Lynch and, and Aaron Plogger and some of those guys as well. So I think really the district as a whole this year is, is better than it's been in quite some time. Um, it's not really as much Spotswood and everybody else like it usually is. I think there's a lot of really good games almost every night. And uh, it's 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 made for a fun uh, start to the season. I'm interested to see how the second half plays out. You know, starting next week, Harrisburg plays Spotswood again and things like that. Um, and then we'll kind of see what everybody you know what everybody's really made of. Awesome. All right, we'll get you out of here. Simple, simple question: Super Bowl. Who you got? Why? I'm going with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, my dad's been a Chiefs fan my entire life. Um, ever since. The, the 90s, I can remember him watching them. So um, I've all, they've always kind of been my second team. I'm obviously a Redskins fan, so I don't have much to cheer for at this time of year. Um, so I, I think they go in. I, I just think they have too much speed and, and everything else. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Kansas City. All right, we'll put you down for K- Kansas City. I think you're joining me on that. I'm not sure. I don't know who Joe has. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Have to listen to the whole podcast to find out, I guess. All right, uh, Cody, thanks for jumping on us. We know you're a busy man, and we look forward to talking to you next time. All right, man. Thanks, guys. All right, and thanks again to Cody Elliott for taking the time to talk to us here on the Axe Sports Podcast. But Leland, he's a, he's a busy man, man. You got you to gotta schedule yeah. him way ahead these days. I know. Uh, but let's move it over to you for what is dominating your life, Leland. All right. So I, I've coded here. I don't think you know what I'm about to talk about. But on Netflix, there's a new series. And we saw the preview for it. And we're just kind of like, oh, that's kind of, you know, different to have that subject matter for one of these. And I think we, my wife and I just looked at each other like, yeah, we're not interested. And then I started hearing a bunch of people talking about it. So we dove into it last week and we watched the whole series in a couple days. We watched Cheer on Netflix. We watched the behind-the-scenes oh. uh, documentary uh, reality of the cheerleading program that's dominant out of uh, Texas down there at the coll- at the collegiate level. They're a junior college, but they they go win their junior college championship and then within that win grand championships and beat Georgia and other teams like that. Um, it was entertaining. It really was. I'll say the first episode kind of was like, okay, what's the big deal here? Because it really was just like the whole point of the first episode was, that, I mean, these people are really into cheerleading and cheerleading. It's tough. And it's, it's just really, people are really into it. And it's like, I, I know that, like, that doesn't surprise me. But then 
the episodes after that did dive into like individual people and their stories. And they had some heart wrenching stories, legit, you know, legitimate doesn't matter what activity they're doing, you know, losing parents and, and just really bad situations and, uh, parents getting cancer. It just, each one of them had tough stories. Um, so really drew you in. So like after two episodes, I was like, well, we're watching the rest of this thing. We got to see where it goes. And then just the dynamics of the coach and being tough and them, uh, you know, dealing with injuries and dealing with, uh, people not holding up their end of, uh, what they need to be doing to get it done. And, uh, it was, it was interesting. I'm not going to say everybody listening, go watch this show. Um, but it wasn't, it was, it was pretty good. And, uh, I think it presented it in a very real way. Like, I don't think it, um, sugarcoated a lot of stuff. I think you saw him deal with injuries and sometimes in questionable ways. And, uh, you know, this isn't beauty pageant cheerleading. This is tough, hard nosed cheerleading. And, uh, it was interesting to watch. And, uh, I think people compared it to like some of those, um, football behind the scenes uh the one yeah, where they were at the junior beyond college. qb1 or yeah. uh what is last chance you yeah last chance you i think is the one i hear a lot of comparisons to and it probably made me want to like watch that more i've kind of skipped that in in everything mm-hmm. um and it makes me kind of want to go back and watch that but uh it was good and so like if you're at all interested i'd give it a try because i think after the after you get through the first episode if you already know cheerleading is a big deal in places you'll you'll really get sucked in and, it, and it's pretty good and there's a there's a one character that's that's one of my notes is uh there's one character on there named jerry and he is like the best human being ever uh such a nice person and he just gets dogged on throughout the thing because he's just he doesn't look like your typical cheerleader he's just not you know he's, he's kind of a big guy and uh can't tumble and on this and that and but he just has the best spirit and if you ever want to show your team how a, a teammate should act have some clips of that guy in this show because he just is team all the way and uh it's really good to see yeah beyond qb1 i haven't gotten into too many of those behind the scenes kind of shows so i yeah i haven't seen this i haven't seen last chance you i'm sure there's another one out there that i'm forgetting off the top of my head but um yeah that's that's the cool thing about all these streaming services is no matter what your interest is there's going to be something for you yeah and I think they do a good job at also like trying to reach other people. Like, this isn't something we normally would have watched, but we hit it and we liked it. I will say one of the cheerleaders, one of the girl cheerleaders, I, I'd love to know where they live and go beat her dad up. I, I think he's a horrible human being and uh, don't like him at all. So, yeah, I guess I guess that's a threat on a recorded uh, podcast here. All right. Well, that's good. I said I'd like to. I didn't say I'm gonna. <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, so what's dominating my life? Um, after watching two crime documentaries on Netflix, I decided that I needed to try to cheer myself up. Uh, so I had my brother came down and we started watching some HBO. We got the HBO hookup back, uh, which is good. Uh, but we watched a show that is from a director that I like uh, and a producer that I like. But it's different than the other comedies they've done. I loved Eastbound and Down. I loved Vice Principals. I thought both of those shows were hilarious. Uh, And I finished season one of Righteous Gemstones. I was partway through it, and now I've finished it. It's different. Uh, Vice Principals, definitely a comedy. Eastbound and Down, definitely a comedy. Righteous Gemstones, there are some comedy elements. But it also tackles kind of some other more serious stuff. Um... And there are parts that don't feel like a comedy at all when I'm watching it. Like, there are parts where I'm like, oh, wait, this is supposed to be a comedy. And this is getting kind of serious. So it's different. Um, Basically, look, if you're into, you know, a televangelist, probably not going to be for you. Um, Because it roasts televangelists pretty hard. Uh, But uh, that's about where the comedy... I guess it's the parody of televangelists is where the comedy is. Again, they tackle some real serious issues. Um, I, you know, it's not for everybody. I'll definitely come out and say that. And just because you like Vice Principals and Eastbound and Down, I wouldn't say that you're going to love this show. I thought season one was okay. I'm interested to see what they do with season two. But uh, yeah, so that that is what has been dominating my life the past couple weeks. Interesting. I I don't know if I'll dive into it, but it's it's good to know it's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you know, or I, I guess I need to go here. You got it. What do you know? 
Uh, Do you know anything? I don't know anything, except (laughs) that Derek Jeter made it into the Hall of Fame, and so did Larry Walker. Uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, still on the outside looking in. Kurt Schilling, the next closest. I think he had 70 of the 75 he needed. Um, You're probably looking at him getting in next year. Yeah. Clemens and Bonds are maybes with being in the 60s with on their eighth out of 10 years. Um, Jeter got in. One person didn't vote him in, so he wasn't unanimous. So stupid. Well, I mean, Why do people care? Thing. Why do people care? I don't care. When Ken Griffey Jr. wasn't unanimous, I was just like, then I don't care. And I get Mariano Rivera was unanimous. Okay, but why does that mean position? we now need to make everybody unanimous? I got Just news don't. for you. If Derek Jeter was a Pittsburgh Pirate or a Kansas City Royal, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. The conversation would be, should he even be in the Hall of Fame in the first ballot? How about that? Yeah, he did a lot of winning. Yeah, of winning. okay. If I'm, What I'm saying is, if he's not a and Pittsburgh a Pirate and a winning. Kansas City Royal, he's not going to be doing all that winning. Take his stats. Put him on a different okay. team. What are, you, what are you saying, man? You can say that for a lot of people. Well, isn't the Hall of Fame supposed to be an individual thing, not a team thing? Because if you look at the yeah, individual winning, stats. They still associate winning. And when wearing those pinstripes, yeah, it does matter. But mm, like Derek Jeter was a really good player, really overrated. good oh I'm not here for the Derek Jeter love fest. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't see the outrage of him not being unanimous. I'm not going to join that. Uh, but I mean, no doubt he belongs in the hall of fame and first ballot. Um, he had a lot of big moments and if we're going to put Kurt Schilling in all his, all that he's going in for are two different postseasons. He doesn't have blow you out the mat stats otherwise, but he has these big moments at different times, got wins when they needed them. And there's a bit enough different Derek Jeter has equivalent more moments of where he did what it took to win that. That play coming across from shortstop down to the first baseline to the backhand flip it, I mean, that's just a crazy play. And it's just him diving into the stands, coming up blood. Like, we're going to put bloody sock in. We can put bloody eye in. Like, he he deserves to be in. I, I don't – I don't. I hate – you had me defending North Carolina in basketball. You had me defending Derek Jeter, a Yankee in, in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be in. The I'm not saying he doesn't deserve care. to be in eventually i'm just saying i think if he wasn't a new york yankee you're probably not talking about first ballot yeah i i I, I, how many people i I think i started with that there's so many people in the history of baseball you probably make that same argument for oh they got in sooner if they were a yankee yeah they would have okay so i guess my point what my point is what my point is all these people being outraged that he's not unanimous it's ridiculous he didn't deserve to be unanimous he's not good enough for that he's not even the best yankee shortstop on his team when he was playing. That was Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez would have been a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, you look at his defensive metrics and his defensive numbers, not good. So I guess when I'm hearing all these people being outraged and we got to find the person who didn't vote for him and take away their vote, no, we need to delete your Twitter because you're overreacting. I wouldn't mind knowing who, who votes. I, I wouldn't mind who voted for what. I wouldn't I mind don't care. That. I don't care about any of that. I don't care about him not being unanimous. Griffey was mine when I cared. Glad to see Walker in. He was a solid player. Larry um, Walker's he, better than Derek Jeter. How about that? Derek Je- Larry Walker deserved to be unanimous more than Derek Jeter. No. Yes, Larry <laughs> Walker was a better player. To be Larry Walker was a better player than Derek Jeter. Larry Walker has a bigger if gripe about Yankee, not being unanimous. And Larry, Wa- if he was a Yankee, he would have been <laughs> unanimous for sure. The way that people are losing their minds over Derek Jeter not being unanimous. Yeah. We might even name it the Larry Walker Hall of Fame if Larry Walker had been a Yankee <laughs> with this kind of outrage that Derek Jeter's getting. Is Clemens Derek Jeter barely made in? it. I don't know. I hope not. Um I, I know I we I know we had John on and John John gave us a lecture. John knows how I feel about this. We've talked about this privately. I I'm not I don't agree with him on this. I agree with him on a lot of things. I respect his opinion. It is a museum, and I get that. Uh, I've been to the museum, uh, but I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like them. They cheated. I don't like them. I don't like them. Put them in. I actually differed from him last week on Pete Rose. I say, and this sounds so bad and so probably petty, but once Pete has left this earth, then let's put him in. I do think they will... If he ever gets in, it will be 
after he has died. It will not banned, be in his lifetime. He's banned for life from baseball, right? He will. Well, yes. Um, so after his life has completed. I don't think he will be in, where, in his in. lifetime. Yeah, I think. And you know what? I think there are people in Major League Baseball that will make sure that that's the case. Because I think, I think there are people in baseball that hold grudges. And they will hold that grudge for as long as they can. And they, yeah. I, I don't think he will make it in his lifetime. Which I think is crappy. But um, I'm fine with it. I, I will say the second Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds gets in, I think you have to put him in because I think what they did is worse. Yeah, just have the have the cheaters here, and just put them all in at once, and and just put it on their plaque because these I mean Clemens and Bonds specifically were great before there was any mention of steroids, and I know you don't know when they started, but they were great players young in their career when they're and and Bonds particularly when he was skinny kid stealing bases, um. I just put him in there. I'm not saying Bonds had a Hall of Fame career before he got in there, but he was on his way to one, and he very easily can get there. And and then still to produce stats that produce a Hall of Fame worthy career, put him in there and just mention it. You know, always. You know, just however you want to phrase it. I'm bad at phrasing things like that, but just put it on the plaque. Just include it in their story. All right. What I know that you need to know. If you, I, I just never feel older. Than when I feel, then I watch some Grammys. I watched those Grammys last night. There's people I don't have any idea who they are. There's music that just sounds terrible to me that wins awards, multiple awards. You know that Billie Eilish, she all the awards. She mumbles through a song, and all of a sudden she wins all these awards. She swept then, all the awards, didn't she? That she uh, was Alicia in. Alicia Keys is up there talking about how great she. Like I don't see it. I, I don't mind the beat of that song. Did, did she make the beat of that song, that, that mumbling song? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, the, <laughs> I didn't watch it, but I know I the one know, you're talking about. I feel about. so old, and there's other guys out there just screaming and yelling, and I know I, I've listened to some hard rock in my time, but I just, some of it I am just not here for. So, uh, Old I, man you, Leland. Yeah, old man Leland. I just, I don't know. the Camilla Cabello or whatever her name Camilla is. Camilla Cabello, yeah. Uh, my daughter likes some of her songs, so we know she is. So we let her stay up or we, we showed her one of the, her first performance. And then, um, I guess that was, was that seen into her dad or was that another one? I don't know. I didn't watch the Grammys. I don't know. But, uh, I don't know. Overall, I'm not big <laughs> into the award shows. I don't... What I did appreciate, what I did appreciate though, uh, who was seen in somebody was seen in, but there was stripper poles up there and there was girls spinning on them. And my daughter makes a noise and I'm like on full alert. Cause I got one job as a dad and that's keep her off the pole. And I pay attention. What what do we say? And she's like, I mean, who would just spin around on a stick like that? <laughs> it's like, good girl. <laughs> I've done something right for seven years. <laughs> oh gosh. Yep. Yeah. I don't. I don't watch a lot of these award shows. I'm not. These people don't need to be patted on the back. And that's what these things are. Yeah. So. I, I don't always watch the Grammys, but Alicia Keys hosting is is good. She she does some good things. So and I was watch, already watching Kobe stuff leading into that, and knowing those were in the Staples Center, I wanted to see what they did, and and they they did well there. So, um, all right. So we've gotten through this whole episode. It's Super Bowl prediction time. You've been you know holding it close to your chest here. I predicted the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl back in September when we made our preseason picks. So I'm sticking with my Chiefs, and uh, there's and and not because I selected them early. I just I do think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Niners do have a good defense. They'll slow Mahomes down, but I still think it's going to be a close game. And when you when you talk about a close game like that, I'm going to take the best quarterback. And so I'm taking Mahomes. I'm taking the Chiefs, and I, I'm rooting for Andy Reid. I like that guy, and I want him to win a Super Bowl. Number one, defenses don't lose a lot of Super Bowls when they're in them. Uh, I think the 49ers will win this one. I do think it's going to be close, but I think the defense is the difference, and I think the 49ers use that run game to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, and the defense gets enough stops to allow the 49ers to win. Okay, fair enough. Well, we will see who's right, and we will trash. You know, whatever we just said, there will probably be the opening next week on the podcast. So (laughs) we'll see what we get here. Uh, Everybody have fun watching it. Uh, try not to complain too much that the Super Bowl's on a Sunday. Just just watch the game and enjoy no, it. No, we need to and complain to louder. That's the only way it's going to change. Complain louder. Get on Twitter. Hashtag Super Bowl Saturday. Hashtag. Saturday's fine. Oh, Saturday's fine. 
making Monday a holiday is the most ridiculous argument. Oh, no, I'm okay with that, too. I mean, anything that's going to cut a day off my week. No, that's cool. They want to make if they want to give me Super Bowl Monday off, that's fine. Uh, make it a national holiday, but oh Super Bowl God. Saturday, I think, is more realistic. We go to work when we vote, but we have to have a day to. Uh, I don't think Election Day should be a day where you're allowed to work either, but that's a different yeah. conversation. I would take that one first. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, follow us on everything at Yak Sports Pod and subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify. Interact with us. Tell us your Super Bowl prediction. Let's let's hear it. Put it down on paper. Put it down on the internet. Uh, if you're close, we'll call you out next week um, after the Chiefs win. We'll be back next week. We will be hopefully back to local sports first next week. Hopefully nothing uh, that major to talk about this week. And uh, we will be back to talk about them when we get there. <laughs>